You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. I hope that's your testimony. Some of you, it can be. Honestly, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. He's proven himself. Amen. Thank you, Luke. All right. Uh, we are moving through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6 is where we're at in the Bibles today. If you don't have a Bible, um, there is one on the seat back in front of you, hopefully or close to you, a blue Bible. Take that out. That is our gift to you. That's our gift to you. And uh, also in your notes, I didn't put this in my notes, so I need to let you know this. Today's message is the priorities and personnel of Point Harbor. The priorities and personnel of Point Harbor. And uh, let me start out this way. How many of you have, now don't say where, but you've been in a church that's split, Church splits. Been in the church. All right, okay. Keep your hands up. All right, deacons, keep your eyes on these folks. Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But church fights. Church splits. I mean, man. True story. A few years back, a uh, big church in Dallas, Texas, went through a nasty split. Each side, you know, said, we're the ones that are going to keep the property. No, we are. And so they were going to go to court. Well, the court kicked them back to a denominational court because they were a denomination. And uh, so each side, you know, were trying to get the church property. And so the, the denominational court chose one side. And the losers, of course, of course, went down the road and started, you know, just right down the road and started another church and so they're doing that you know bad blood all around but the bad thing was the news media got whiff of it and found out the reason that the church split started the church fight started true story is because they found out an elder they had one of those church potlucks you know carrying dinners whatever you call it and one of the elders got served a smaller piece of ham than a teenager sitting next to him and that split, ultimately split the church because it wasn't taken care of. Good job, Christians, right? The, the tiniest, silliest, stupidest events sometimes cause, cause huge problems in God's local churches. And in our text, we see that potential. Doesn't happen, but there's the potential right there in this new church, this growing church. So Acts chapter 6, if you're there, say I'm there. Yeah. All right, now... In these days, all right, so things have been, they've been kind of on a roller coaster. Remember that 70s song, Roller Coaster? And it's just, say you want, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, things are wonderful. Oh, Satan's attacking. Oh, we got past that. God's blessing. Oh, Satan's attacking. And, you know, from inside and outside. And so now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint you got to circle that in your Bible if you're a circler by the Hellenists. The Hellenists are, are Jews, but they, they've kind of adopted Greek culture. So they adopted Greek language. They don't speak the Aramaic anymore, you know, the Hebrew Aramaic. Uh, they've kind of, you know, they're pro, the progressives, I guess you should say. So the Hellenists, but they're still Jews, a complaint by them arose against the Hebrews. Now, as you suspect, the Hebrews are Jews that kind of kept the language of the Hebrews and the customs of the Hebrews. So these Hellenists who were Jews, but kind of modernistic Jews, uh, they're all in the church. They're, they're all Christians. And there was a complaint by them against the old school Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, if you're a note taker, circle distribution and out to the side, you could write this word, going to get a little techie, diakonos, diakonos, all right? Just do your best with it, diakonos. <laughs> all right, so they were ne neglected in the daily distribution, or diakonos. And the 12, all right, that's the apostles, summoned the full number, so they hear about it. They hear about this complaint, and they, su they summoned the full number of the disciples, the whole church, and said... It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. You ought to underline that whole section there. It's not right that we, the apostles, should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And you can circle serve and write out to the side, diakonos. Same exact word, translated a little differently. 
Therefore, I put brackets. Whenever I come to therefore, I put brackets around them because when you're in the Bible, you're studying the Bible and you see the word therefore, you should stop and see what it's therefore. therefore. All right. Therefore, he says, brothers, pick out from among you, church, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we, the apostles, will appoint to this duty. But, and then I underline all of four, each word, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I circled ministry because out in the side I wrote this word, which is diakonos. Same word there. So it's translated, what, different, three different times, but it is the Greek word or a derivative of it, diakonos, which means to serve. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. So now the church is like, oh, cool, oh, here's a solution. We don't have to split after all. And they chose Stephen, so they chose seven, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte, from, of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And I circled all of verse seven. I just circled the whole thing. And I put out to the side results, exclamation point. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests, even the priests became obedient to the faith. This passage is about them, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, but this passage is about us, too. You don't realize how, how much Point Harbor fits right into this text, or any church, but especially Point Harbor, with what we've got going on here. You're like, well, what do you mean? We got widow-serving issues, you know, uh, that, 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 that I don't know about? See, these widows, I, I, let me back up. These widows, they, they were widows, and widows, you know, there was no, there was no uh, uh, what do you call it, Medicaid, those type of things, Social Security. And so the poor had to be taken care of either by individuals or by the temple, the Jewish widows, the Jewish orphans. And, but when you trusted Christ as your Savior and you got public about it with baptism, then the, the, the Hebrew temple people said, no. Nah. No, take it elsewhere. Take it to your church. And so they did. And rightly, the church stepped up. You remember we saw the church taking these offerings and people selling houses and lands because there were some huge, huge needs that there was no government to take care of. And so this, this passage, you know, we don't have widow-serving issues that I know about anyway, but here's what I'm getting at. Three points today, all right? And then some sub-points. Number one, every growing church has growing pains. Every growing church has growing pains. Say that to me. Every grown church has growing pains. Anybody as a kid, you had growing pains and you came to your dad and you're like, oh, it hurts, it hurts. And he goes, oh, suck it up. It's just growing pains. Anybody? All right. Okay. Yeah. A few of you old school folks. Yeah. So that's what my dad always said. You know, I could have like, you know, some a spleen busting and he's like, it's growing pains. So, <laughs> <laughs> in your Bibles, in, uh, in, in verse number one again, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, so they're growing, God's blessing, they've been through a lot, but they're still growing. By this time, the church, it's, it's oh my goodness, it's, it's at least 30,000, if not closer to 40, 50,000 in, in Jerusalem, uh, and, and that was huge. And, and there was a complaint though, a complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Why? Because, I mean, they had a complaint. Their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And what was happening apparently was that, you know, if you were a Hebrew widow, you got front of the line privileges. But if you were one of those Hellenists, those compromisers, those, you know, folks that are speaking the foreigner language, even though you're a Jew just like me, you're not acting like a Jew. And so you can, you can get the scraplings. You can get the back of the line. That word complaint means, it's translated, you could translate it whispering Grumbling in private. Here's, here's something you ought to write down. Satan loves starting whisper campaigns. Satan loves. He is, well, what was his first whisper campaign? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Has God really said? Does God really mean that? Come on, God just doesn't want the best for you. Whisper campaign. He's been doing it ever since. He loves starting whisper campaigns. Church I pastored in, uh, in Michigan little country church they got rid of their last pastor who'd been there 17 years before me by whisper campaigns 
as I told you by the wolf and the flock, and he led about three other families. There was only like four families involved in this, at least that wanted him gone. Everybody was talking. They had the church van, the pastor, you know, the pastor did everything in that little church. Church van needed some work done, took it down to a mechanic, and then this guy found out how much it cost, and he's like, it can't have cost that much. Could it have? I mean, do you think that, do you think that Clint, Clint was his name, Pastor Clint, Clint pocketed some of the extra and made a deal with a mechanic? So he just sent these little question marks. I'm not saying he did. I mean, to the point that that pastor just, after 17 years, packed it up, said, I'm out of here, and went to Florida. Tried when I got there after that, tried the same thing with me. And, and, and let me say, to set this stage, by the way, Pastor Johnny has not always been a pastor. All right? My son, Pastor Johnny, who's on our staff here. When we were up in Michigan, he was a teenager. One day, he and his buddy decided while nobody was around, and you know, back then, we trusted everybody. Keys were just left in vehicles. You would go to Walmart, and, you, and they made fun of us for taking our keys out of our, you know, and locking the car. I'm like, we used to live in Portsmouth. <laughs> but up there, you know, everybody trusted each other. Keys always in the vehicle. So uh, Johnny and his buddy decided you know, we had this old, rusty, ugly church van, Custer Baptist Church. And they decided to go on a joyride. But they were going to do it bad, you know, go on the roads because they were only like 14. But they were going to go around the church. We had a parking lot that went around the church. All right, went around the church. So they're like, woohoo, Oh, we better put it away. I never would have found out. But on the way back in, being 14-year-olds, they hit one of the big mirrors and just ripped the sucker off. <laughs> a 14-year-old ain't going to fix that. And of course, everybody found out about it. And there was a whisper campaign, you know. Do you think that our new pastor can control his wild son? What's he going to do next? Start driving around the parking lot with youth kids on the hood? He did. My secretary chewed his butt on that one. Looked out, saw her daughter on the hood. What's he going to do next? Start rollerblading down the road, you know, on the, behind a four by four, holding onto the bumper at 60 miles per hour? Him and his buddy did. Pastor Johnny had no one been a pastor. But Satan will use anything like that, little things. I mean, that was, you know, it's kind of scary, but it was, you know. To, to lo he loves to get church folks criticizing church leadership. And to circumvent that, now, this, this might sound, you know, like, oh, Pastor John, you're just trying to, but look, it's, it's the word of God, all right? And some of you have never seen this, and other pastors won't preach it because it looks self-serving, all right? Is this the word of God? First, okay, all right, okay, then we can talk about it. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder. All right, an elder is a pastor. All right, a pastor, bishop. All right, that's what he's talking about. Unless you can listen to it if it's confirmed by what? Two or three what? Witnesses. That's always been the Old Testament standard. All right, we're going to judge you, but we have to have two or three reliable eyewitnesses. If we don't have that, we can't judge you. And so he says, I'm going to bring that into the church, God says. So don't listen to a what? Say it, say it, say it. An accusation against a pastor unless, unless it's confirmed by two or three witnesses. Well, what happens if it's really something he did and it's bad and it's scandalous? Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. <laughs> Woo, this will serve as a strong warning to others. Yes. So yeah, there's, if there's something going on, then it needs to come to the church. If you've got how many? Two or three witnesses. Well, how's that work out in real life, Pastor John? How's that work out in real life? Suppose somebody, somebody, somebody comes to you and says, you know, Pastor Tom, I'm pretty sure it was Pastor Tom. It looked a little bit like Pastor Tom anyway. He cut me off in traffic and flipped me the bird. What should you say? Yeah, you got two or three eyewitnesses? You got two or three eyewitnesses? Folks, listen to me, all right? In Pastor Tom's defense, he didn't even cuss when he was in the Navy. Now, if you'd have said Pastor Dan, <laughs> you say, if somebody comes to you with, a, with an accusation against an elder, a pastor, you are biblically supposed to say, hey, 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 did, are there witnesses? Are there, before you go any further, give me all the juicy details. Are there witnesses? Are you a witness? No, I heard that I can't listen to you. If you listen, you are disobeying God. You're just trying to protect yourself. No, I'm, try I'm trying to protect my position, yeah. And, and if I screw up and there are two or three witnesses, ouch, 
or any pastor. Some of you have been in churches that went through this. But you have to say, you need to say, because gossip is, I've said this before, I would rather have a, a whole church of smokers, every single one of you smoking Marlboro Reds, we'll put ashtrays in the lobby, before I had a whole church of gossips. The Bible never talks about smoking once. Never once. Now it says you shouldn't be addicted. You smokers are like, I love this church. <laughs> shouldn't be addicted to anything, so it got you there, didn't it? Oh, I'm not addicted. I can stop anytime. <laughs> but you know what God says about gossiping? It's an abomination. It's an abomination. Those of you who gossip and think you're good Christians, guess what? Let me tell you, you're not. You are not. I can't help it. Yes, you can. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Amen. Some of you need to stop it. Just stop it. Say, stop it. Stop it. So Acts 6 and verse 1, he says this. Now, in these days, the disciples were increasing in number. Complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Distribution, this is the word diakonos. Diakonos. All right, that's alliteration. All right, that's not really Greek words or uh, letters, but that's how it sounds. Diakonos. From which we get the English word, what do you think? Deacon. Yeah. It means distribution, service, ministry, refers to support. So they are getting support. It's being distributed. Now, these people are given to the church. These people are sacrificing. We got these needs. We got these needs. So it's being distributed, but they're messing it up, whether they intended to or not, whether it's a perceived slight or not. And so we got a problem. And and, and let me say this. This isn't a racial thing here. If you think it's a race, it's not a racial thing. They're all Jews. <clears throat> it's a cultural thing. They, they were a multicultural church, like Point Harbor is, which is awesome. Amen? Somebody say amen. But here's something. Here's something. Just let me be fr- I, I want to always be frank with you and transparent. A multicultural church has both great potential and genuine pitfalls. It just does. Why, John? Because it's multicultural. And different cultures do di- different things differently. Not necessarily wrong, but differently. Here at Point Harbor, we're a growing church. If you're new here, hey, and you know, I'm biased, of course, but I've been in a lot of churches. I know a lot of churches. I know a lot of pastors, and I like what we got here. Amen? Amen. God is blessing around here. God is showing up around here. God is changing lives around here. We got Easter coming up, but you know, here's something, talking about outreach and growing and growth and, and, and people's lives being changed. God says, I want you to, to utilize, to leverage your life, your, your family, your uh, friends, your workplace for Easter. The, the one time in the year when most Americans still kind of think, well, I'm supposed to go to church somewhere. And so, but, but, but God help if they go to a church that doesn't preach the gospel. There are a lot of them that just give them some entertainment to have an Easter egg roll, you know, and that's it, so that the kids are satisfied, but your soul is not, or their soul is not. And here, we're going to have the gospel just plain, simple, rubber meets the road, jelly on the bottom shelf. So here's how God can use you. We have these invite cards. They're going to be given to you, I think, as you leave, but there's more out at the uh, info uh, uh, center out there, and they're little square things, and there's a little QR thingy that everybody can use their phones and get more details and see. We've got a cool video, which is just a walkthrough video that uh, Johnny and the gang developed, and what it is is just kind of when you come through, you know, because folks, the scariest thing in the world is going to a church, and you don't know what's in there, right? Are there weirdos in there? Are there candles in there? You know, they handed out snakes in there. They speaking in foreign languages there. I, you know, I, I, on vacation, I go into a church with trepidation. Just kind of supposed to do it, Lord. Okay. So, you know, but I, but I always check them out first, what? Online. And so we just have this little video that takes them through, shows them in here, shows them y'all, shows them, you know, a little bit of the preaching. Just, it's just, a, I don't know, not even a minute video, I don't think. Shows them the children's ministry, youth ministry, all those things. Just gives them a taste of Point Harbor. So you just say, hey, man, check this out. This, this here uh, uh, thing, you know, you're going to go to church somewhere on Easter. You're not sure where? I'd love to have you. I love my church. And look at that QR code. You can check this thing out. Get a little sample before you show up. And they'll be a lot more likely to, amen? Amen. 
Thank you. It is awesome. God is doing some amazing things here. He is. And I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, you know, when you're looking around. Some folks say, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. I mean, unless you really are. But <laughs> just saying that, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. You can tell a white dude from a black dude. Amen? You can. Even if you're blind a lot of times, you can tell just by voice inflections, yes? So, I mean, don't, don't tell me you're colorblind. I'm just colorblind. No, you're not. You, you, but we've got, you know, folks, white, black, brown. We've got folks who speak English, folks who speak Spanish, folks who speak, you know, other languages. <laughs> Suffolk. <laughs> we've launched El Sembrador. They're meeting right now. Hampton Roads. Our Hispanic quotient is going up. Amen. And it will happen. Let me just clue you. It'll happen. Something's going to happen. Something between somebody. Somebody will feel slighted. Might be a cultural thing. Might not. But, I mean, we got, you know, high potential with all these different cultures mixed in together. And Satan will try. Because it's not just us interacting. It's Satan going, who can I use today? Who can I use today? Who can I start a whisper campaign with today? To try to make sure our unity isn't our reality. <clears throat> so, when that happens, and it will, and it will, what do I do? What to do, Point Harbor? What to do? Tell me what to do. There's a verse, there's, there's scripture, come on. I, I've been preaching here 24 years, five months, and seven days. I have told you this hundreds of times. When you have an issue with somebody, what is the scripture? Matthew 18. Matthew 18, <clears throat> you Matthew 18 it. What do you mean <clears throat> Matthew 18? Write that down, Matthew 18. 15 through 18, you Matthew 18. This is not just for church, this is for anywhere. This is for workplace, this is for relationships. This keeps some of you from blowing your Facebook up. All right, <clears throat> if your brother sins against you, what did he do against you? Sin. Oh, he sinned. Go and tell Facebook. <laughs> oh no. And, and by the way, why are these in orange, goldish? Because these are imperatives. What's an imperative? It's a command. Imperative, command, imperative. These are commands. These are God's commands. This is Jesus talking here. These are commands if you got something against somebody else or somebody else has got something against you or somebody has sinned against you, it's their fault. You have no permission to share it with anybody else. None. Until you do one thing, if your brother sins against you or your sister, go and tell him his fault, all right? Tell him his fault. Now, do that in a good way, not a, you're a jerk, you're, God says I gotta tell you, you suck. <laughs> Don't do that. Tell him, hey, 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 this, you know, this is what happened, this is what I'm feeling. You know, and if it's a perceived slight, like a lot of times it is, you think somebody said something, or you think somebody typed something on Facebook or Insta, whatever, then it's just, you know, people are dumb behind the keyboard. I just realize that. It's in their pajamas, no filter, and they would never say it to your face. But they feel emboldened by their computer and whatever they're drinking. <laughs> Go and tell him his fault. So you say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm seeing. Did you mean this? Between you and him, what, what, what? Say it louder, alone, if. He might not, but if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You haven't blown up the relationship. You got him back. Some of you have family members you haven't spoken to in years because this was violated. Could have been fixed years ago, but no. You had to share. Other people had to share. Everybody's sharing. What's for campaigns? Do you know what he did to me? Do you know what she said? Can you believe? That's satanic. That's satanic. But if, what if he doesn't listen, John? All right, so you go, that's a command. Tell him, that's a command. Take how many? One or two others along with you. One or two plus you equals three. So that every charge may be established by the evidence of or two or three witnesses. If it goes further than that, you take it to the church. He's talking about the church specifically here. That's a command. That is not an option. It's a command. So if you call up your girlfriend because your other girlfriend said something mean to you, you are acting satanic. I'm not saying you're sacrificing kittens in the woods. I'm saying, though, you are acting as Satan acted in the Garden of Eden. 
well, I'm in the right. No, you're not, not now. You might have been in the right, but you just screwed up and you went to the other side. This is serious. And Satan knows how to use it because guess what? We all have feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Trying to forget life. That you have your little feelings. My feelings got hurt. Oh, grow up. Grow stinking up. So, Matthew 18 it. Say Matthew 18 it. All right, you better have written that down. I'm going to check some of your Bibles to see. Put on your big boy, big girl pants and obey Master Jesus. Amen? Amen. Somehow in this church, now this church, they didn't Matthew 18 it. Jesus already said that. All right, people had heard Jesus say that, but they didn't obey it. So there's this whisper campaign going on. Oh, man. Hey, it was probably right. You know, my, 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 my widow friend over there, she wasn't taken care of as well as that other widow just because she dresses differently. I don't know how long it took. It, it wasn't right away. It says this, a complaint. Complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected. They were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food Application for your application blank on the back of your notebook. Whisper campaigns lead to satanic pains. Whisper campaigns always lead to, whether you're in the right or the wrong. If you don't handle it right, you're in the wrong. Matthew 18 it. Matthew 18 it. This is a a, a scripture that is huge and some of you need to make as your life's first, especially if you've got a problem with your tongue. Because... Well, I'll just let it speak for itself. There are six things that the Lord, what's this word? Oh, say it louder. God's the God of love. Yeah, until he hates. It's not, this is not John. I didn't write that. He says, you know, God has an active hate life, by the way. He hates sin. He hates Satan. He hates division. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination. They disgust him. To him. And then he says, haughty eyes, lying tongue. God hates that. Hands that shed innocent blood. You're like, well, I figured that one, but yeah, you do the other two. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord or disunity among brothers. God says, I hate that. Well, I'm in the right. You handled it wrong. I hate that. He doesn't say he hates you necessarily. He hates your sin. Say, he hates my sin. He He does. Don't be that dude. Don't be that gal. Every church, realize this. Don't be surprised when it's happened to us before. We've been through it. I've been here 24 years. How would I say five months and seven days or whatever? I've, (laughs) I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in Michigan. I saw it happen when I was here before for six years. It'll happen again. Why? Because there is a devil. And we are fallen humans. Every growing church has growing pains. Satan makes sure of it. Number two, growing pains reveal genuine priorities. Growing pains reveal genuine priorities. Here's something you need to learn. Here's something you need to get. Not just for church problems, But for relational problems, family problems, vocational problems, I want you to write this down. Write this down. Run to conflict. Run to conflict. That's what you need to do. That's what Matthew 18 is all about. You go to them. You run to the conflict. You don't talk about the conflict. Talk about them. You run to conflict. Say, run to conflict. Run to conflict. Some of you and you bosses, you don't know this, and so you let things blow up. Some of you in your families, you don't know this, dads, moms, and so you let things blow up with your kids. Something's going on with your kids. Somebody's got, you know, an influence over your kid, and you just, la, 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 la. And no, 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 you run to that conflict because about, it's about to get bigger. If that conflict is real, if it's there, if there's grumbling, most of us avoid it. <clears throat> Sweep it under the rug where it lays there smoldering. That small little fire that you could have put out pretty easily, now it's a, it's a, you know, something you can't even handle. you got to run to conflict. Now, just not, not like Mel Gibson. <laughs> I'm running to conflict, Braveheart. All right, don't run to conflict like that. Some of you run to conflict, you're like, oh, I love this message. But you're, you know, run to conflict to spear somebody. <laughs> so do it. 
Matthew 18, trying to win a brother or a sister back, run to conflict. Even though there's a potential church split brewing in this church in Jerusalem, I love this thing. I love this thing. Why, why do you love this, John? They have a potential church split. I know. But it forces it something clearly out into the open. Forces it out in the open. I mean, bam, it's right there in Scripture, and I love it. Something most pastors do not live. Something for some years I did not live. Something many of you, maybe most of you, don't really believe. What is that? What, do you, what on earth are you getting at? Right here in this text, forced into clarity because of a church problem is the definition of what I'm supposed to be doing as your pastor. The definition of my priorities. My and every pastor, every pastor, no matter who they are, their job description. My job, the top two priorities of any God-called pastor in Acts 6 and verse 2, they summoned the full number of the disciples. It's not right, they said. It is not right. It's not acceptable. It's wrong that we should give up what? Say it louder. Preaching the word of God to serve tables, to serve those widows. Apparently, the people who were screwing up were the apostles. Now, either that or the apostles said, we'll just take over. We'll have to take over. Or they want us to take over. Why don't you apostles take over? You'd do it right. But, but praise God, the apostles saw their priorities. They saw their calling, which most pastors can't do. And I'll tell you why. Because most pastors, and one of the, their wiring, I, I don't know about me as much, but is, is they're people pleasers. They want to please you. They want to be known as the pastor who can, the pastor who can minister, the pastor who can do anything, the pastor who's got all the answers. So no, it's not right that we should give up. In order to, to, in order to wait on all these widows, we're going to have to take a lot of time trying to distribute the money to, to get the food and bring it back. You guys want us to do that because you think, oh man, you're the only ones that can do it right. No. We ain't going to do it. And you might say, well, are you above that? John, are you saying that you're above serving widows? No, I'm not saying that. Stick with me. These guys aren't saying that either. They're not saying they're above. They don't have their own pastor parking lot or you know, parking space in the parking lot. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, hey, we realize there are some God-ordained priorities for a pastor. And if I try to be everything to everybody, I'm not going to do those things that God calls me to do. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you, among the church, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. So we got some qualifications who we will appoint, but we, pastor, apostles, will devote ourselves to what? Say it. Prayer and what? The ministry of the word. Bam. My top two, any pastor's top two priorities, if he's really a pastor. The pastor's priorities are praying and preaching, and most of us don't live that. We don't. Because our people don't believe it. Our people think we're called to other things. The average churchgoer, you ask the average churchgoer, what are the pastor's main responsibilities? If I asked some of you, you wouldn't put those in the top. I, I asked online, I asked the Google. What are the main responsibilities of my pastor? This is learn.org. Job responsibilities of a pastor. Okay, let me write these down. Assisting in church financial matters. Yay. Overseeing management of all areas of congregational ministry. Well, that's pretty broad. Supporting, overseeing, evaluating the congregational staff. Mm. Holding regular staff meetings to coordinate ministries. Ensure church facilities are functioning. Not once does it say prayer or the preaching of the word. It's not even listed in there at all. It's, they're not even on the list. These do's that answer or learn.org need to learn. The pastor's priorities, this is not me speaking. This is the word of God. This is why a lot of churches don't grow. This is why a lot of churches don't send missionaries. Because their pastor is too busy cleaning the frickin' toilet. I did it. In Michigan, I went up there. Good trip. I'm not trying to bash them, but I just thought, man, you know, I'm the pastor. I'm here. I've done everything. You know, I can do anything. I can do mechanical stuff. I can do this, that. I used to be a boiler technician. The church had a boiler down. <laughs> it was heated with a boiler. And so they're like, oh, cool. Pastor John can take care of the boiler. Well, guess what? The boiler sometime crapped out on Sunday morning. Guess who was down there at 4 o'clock? You know, 
Should, should have been getting ready for the service. I'm working on the boiler. Deacon doesn't show up to, to shovel the, the snows in Michigan, so I'm out there shoveling before, you know, make sure Miss Annie doesn't fall down and break a hip. I did the church bulletin. Stupid. This was me because I got a new laser printer. <laughs> Made that. I, I love designing and stuff like that, you know, making things, you know, and publishing. And so I got that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd stay up late, 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 and then print it out, print it out because nobody else was around because everybody was in, in bed. And then one day I thought, how many people's lives are changed by a bulletin? <laughs> and then I thought, you idiot. And I delegated it. And it wasn't as beautiful as mine. <laughs> but it was a bulletin. The pastor's priority are prayer and preaching. But, but, but prayer is devalued by many of you. By many, we, just, we just sang that song. I sought the Lord and he what? Heard and he what? Answered. Many of you don't seek the Lord. Well, how come I don't have the stuff I need? You have not because you ask not. He says, we will devote ourselves. The first thing he says is prayer. He doesn't even say preaching first. He says, we will devote ourselves. It means gives ourselves wholly over, work at it, to prayer. But prayer is devalued amongst most of us. Why? Why? Because we tend to define prayer as something you do in your spare time. If you got time. Right before you go to bed or right when you put your feet on the ground in the morning. Something that takes eh, a minute, a couple minutes at the most. This is disturbing. <clears throat> According to Barna, George Barna survey, the average Christian spends a whole one minute a day in prayer. If you spend two minutes a day, you are twice as good as the average Christian. Give yourself a hand. Don't do that. <laughs> but here's worse. Recent anonymous survey of pastors in Christianity today, average pastor in America prays three minutes a day. Three. These are dudes that are saying, you don't know my name, so I'll tell the truth. Tick -a -tick -a -tick -a -tick. The average church is weak because the average pastor doesn't pray. Well, how long do you pray? And I'm not trying, I just want to be transparent. And, and, I'm, and I say this by really not enough. Friday, Miss Robin and I drove up to uh, the student retreat. She had a little thing she was doing for the students up in Deltaville. I'd never heard of Deltaville. It's way up there. And I prayed some with her, but mostly just me and God. She's, as we're driving along, she's on her phone. She looks over, she goes, are you falling asleep? I go, no, I'm praying. Leave me alone, woman. I'm talking to Jesus. <laughs> So that was maybe, me and God, maybe, maybe about an hour, thereabouts. And on, on full disclosure, crazy, rare, uh, rare crazy days, it's closer to 15 minutes. And when I'm in the mountains in Tennessee doing the sermon planning and preparation stuff, it's typically, typically one to two hours in the morning with coffee on the deck looking at the mountains. But I don't pray enough. I've been convicted about this. As we're going through Acts, I'm like, man... I need to step it up, and my people need to step it up. Well, okay, John, I get it. You're the prayer professional around here. So I'm going to email my prayer list to you every Monday. No, you're missing it. You're missing it. We will devote ourselves to prayer. All right, well, that's talking about the apostles. All right, but if the apostles devote themselves to prayer, that means, yeah, pastors should pray and pray a lot. And a lot more than probably we do. But further, it means that we pastors should teach you how to pray. Some of you stink at prayer. You know you do. You know you do. Prayer is boring to you. That's the, that's the thing that, that, that's, that a lot of people say. Well, it's boring. That's because you don't. You don't oh, oh, I wrote this. Write this down somewhere. If I believe in the power of God, I'll believe in the power of prayer. If I believe in the power of God, I'll believe in the power of prayer. The reason you don't pray is you don't believe in the power of God. Because if you believed in the power of God, that God could change hearts, all that fighting that's happening in your family, you would pray, you would target that, you would paint those targets and say, God, give grace, give wisdom, change their hearts, grant repentance to the acknowledging of the truth so that they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil, having been taken captive of him to do his will. You pray scripture. Amen. The reason some of you, your prayer life sucks is because you don't know scripture. You can't pray God's words, God's promises back to him. Well, I'm a, I'm a young Christian. Okay, all right, I get that. So get in the word of God. 
quit binging on whatever you're binging on. Some of you, your Christian life would be amazing if you would do two things. Now, I know this is radical. Take your TV out in the back and shoot it with a 12-gauge. Boom! <laughs> and then take your cell phone and throw it in the Chesapeake Bay. Some of you. It was funny. Don't tell Tim I told him. The, the students are still up there. They took their phones away. Oh. He said, we had some kids not go because they're like, oh, I, can't, I can't do it. Or mama, oh, I need little Billy to have his phone. I'm not talking about him. Maybe you said that. Maybe your kid's Billy. I don't know. That was, I just have the gift of prophecy here. <laughs> Come on, folks. Come on. Okay, I, I fear for our generation. The generation's coming up so totally locked into this reason a lot of girls are having problems is because of the stuff that they see on TikTok and that other crap. And you're going, go ahead, just don't look at anything bad. And then you trust it. Never trust your teenager. You ought to write that down. My parents trusted me, and they shouldn't have. They should not have. You have not because you ask not. So did we devote ourselves to prayer? Doesn't mean the pastors are the gunslinger prayers. God doesn't hear me more than he hears you. He just hears me more than he hears you. That wasn't even in my notes. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'll forget it by the next service. What was, what was I saying? Now look at this. Jesus was praying. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to preach. And he said, Lord, teach us to do miracles. Lord, teach us to turn Awa into Bino. Lord, teach us to what? Pray. pray. As John, I mean, old apostle, not apostle, but uh, John the Baptist, he taught his disciples to pray. Why? Because they saw Jesus' prayer life and they saw the answers to Jesus' prayer life. Teach us to pray. That's what we're going to start doing more of. Because I've been convicted. I'm reading a book on prayer. I've actually got three on prayer going. Actually, four. I've, I've got problems. OCD and whatever else. But that's what we're going we're gonna, to, and here's how we're going to start doing that. First of all, let me give you inside baseball. And I hate to admit this, but I'm just going to admit it because it'll help us to pray better, okay? Are you ready? Don't judge me, all right? And don't judge any other pastor. You know, one reason we don't pray enough around here, and one reason you could apply this to yourself too, when somebody comes up to you and says, hey man, pray for me, I got this, and what do you say? It's kind of the ultimate cop-out. I'll be praying. And if you're like me, five seconds later, you, you're thinking of chilies. <laughs> you forgot it. Now, a lot of times I'll tell people to email me, all right? Email me your prayer request. And, and that could be effective. But even more effective is let's pray right now. You know why some of you don't? Well, some of you don't know how to pray and you're scared to death. It's how to talk to daddy, God, Abba, Father. But others of you, here's the thing, and I realized it and, oh, this is me. I don't know your name. I forgot your name. I don't admit that I don't know your name. And so because of that, because some of y'all, your mama's named you wrong. You did. You don't look anything like your name. So when I, or sometimes I forget people I know. I've known for 20 years. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. I don't want to admit to you that I'm supposed to. Maybe you're in my point group and I don't know your name. So I'm like, oh, all right, just email me. Ah, uh, you know, write it down. I've done that. Once you're like, ah, he did that last week to me. <laughs> I want us to pray more. I want you to pray more. So here's a cool thing. Just get transparent and go. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. And then those of you who aren't known by name, don't get offended. Don't go, ah, I'm going to another church <laughs> where just like cheers, everybody knows my name. <laughs> don't do that, all right? Because you don't know half the people's name in here. We got on our roll, like 2,000 people on our roll. All right? So I'm telling, I'm instructing our pastors, other pastors here too, start doing that. Start saying, I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm supposed to, I don't know your name. All right? And then for deaf people, say it clearly and loudly. Maybe put it on a three by five card. We want to pray for you. 
We want to pray more effectively for you, okay? Lord, teach us to pray. But also we have this coming up. Nights of prayer, nights of prayer. This leading up to Easter. Because, you know, you have not because you ask not. And I want God to use Easter to, to reach people for Christ, to reach some of the people that you love for Christ, people you work for, people that you're going to invite. I want God's power to be here. I don't want John Houston to be preaching down Houston or some funny story illustration. I want the power of God to change lives. And the power falls where the prayer rises. I believe that. March 7th, March 14th, March 21st, it's just 45 minutes because I've got my point group right after that. It's in the student building over there. All right, I'm just gonna give a wee little bit of a little nugget and then we're gonna pray. It's not gonna be scary. I'm gonna help you to learn how to pray. If you say, I can't talk out loud, I can't talk out loud, I can't talk, then just come and pray silently. But come and pray. All right, say all right. All right. So I'm, I'm called to pray, the, 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 the model prayer, and to teach, to, to model prayer, and to teach you how to pray. So the pro, pastor's priorities are praying and preaching, but prayer is devalued, we've seen that, and the ministry of the word is diluted, it's diluted. We all believe that pastors are called to ministry, right? Every one of us, well, what, what's about a pastor? Well, he's called to ministry. That's not entirely accurate. He's not called to ministry, Look at what verse four says back to Acts six. It says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry what? Of the word. This is the diakonia, diakonos, the ministry, the serving of the word. He specifies it. Not to all ministry. That's where I blew it as a young pastor trying to be all things to all men. Well, and then who, who, okay, but then who does, who does the rest of the ministry? Pastor John, who, who's going to fill in the blanks? Here's a picture. You. You. That's the way the New Testament church is modeled. It's called the body of Christ. We are all different members, like a body, right? We got different body parts. You might be a finger, you might be a toe, you might be an eye. Not any of them is the same, but we need all of them to make a body so that the body can function. The reason that this church is not what this church could be, and I love what this church is, but the reason we're not what we could be is because a bunch of you are just hanging on your appendages, not doing anything. You, that's how the rest of the ministry gets done. That's how it was designed. First Peter, I love how he spells it out. Each one of you should, should use whatever gift, these are spiritual gifts he's talking about here. You can look in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, list of them. But this just brings them down to two categories. Use whatever gift he has received as a spiritual gift from God when you, got, when you trusted Christ to do what? To serve who? Others, faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, so there are speaking gifts, that's, that's me, that's that, like pastor, teacher type thing, he should do as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, that's serving gifts, wraps them all into serving gifts, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. It glorifies Jesus Christ. You folks, you are how the ministry gets done. How folks are ministered to. You folks, not pastors. Pastors, we have our our, our, our uh, uh, duties, but that breaks into two super important groups. Number one, and this is what Acts 6 is really all about, deacons who do need-based ministry, need-based, specific need-based, and then the rest, all y'all, say all y'all, do gift-based ministry. Not that deacons don't have gifts, but deacons, our deacons are also, I think, to a man serving in other positions too with their spiritual gifts. The rest of us doing gift-based ministry based on our spiritual gifts, utilizing our spiritual gifts, plugging in and serving in this body in a place that God has designed just for you and you for. He says in verse four, back to uh, Acts chapter six, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That is our specific duty. So here's what this means to Point Harbor. If I, Pastor John, 
am to buy into God's priorities for a pastor. Not yours, not mine from before, not maybe what I was taught in college, but what God says, then I'm going to have to say no to some other ministry things and maybe to some things you want me to do, which isn't going to make you happy, maybe. Acts 6, verse 2, again, he says, they summoned the full number, the, the whole church together and said, it's not right. It is not right that we should give up preaching, just give it up. Well, John, you know, even back in the day when you were doing that, you were still preaching. Do you know how I was preaching? Not very well. Do you know when I was doing my, my sermon? Saturday night into Sunday morning, sometimes all the way through with no sleep. Why? Because I was doing everything else. Visiting. I had a guy that went to uh, the, the outpatient every night. I, I, this, people still watch from Michigan. He's a great guy, but he, he would swallow the carrot. That's what he called it. He had constriction in his throat. And they had to put this carrot down, and then it just kind of opened up which is kind of gross, but it opened up the passageway. Wasn't life-threatening at all. He had it about every six months. I was supposed to be there because the last pastor was there. And so I said, all right, there early in the morning, six o'clock. And while I was there in those horrible hospital chairs, my back went out. You ever had that happen? You're sitting and all of a sudden you move and ah! And then I couldn't. So he comes out and I get up. His name is Pete. He didn't notice that I was in pain, sweat coming down. I said, how was the carrot? All right, I'll see you in six months. All right, pray for you. Oh, dear Lord, bless Pete and the carrot. Amen. Pete leaves. I'm like, ah, ah. I get to my car and I can't move. I realize I can't move. And so I, I right across the road, I knew there was this, this, this chiropractor. So by this time, it's about eight in the morning. So I drive over there. And I had a bag phone. Remember bag phones? Oh, yeah, bag phone. Hey, hey, you open? Yeah, Okay. I come in and barely come in and this guy, I'm not a patient or anything. I'm like, you need to help me. We need to fill out paperwork. No, 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 it hurts. Come on, help me. <laughs> I just intimidated him. So he puts me up there. He's, he's stretching me out, all that stuff. Boom, now I can't even stand. <laughs> this is a small town. He shares the, the chiropractor's office with the Allstate office. By this time, people are in the lobby, the front, you know, the waiting area. I can't stand. I said, just leave me alone. I got down and crawled. Not lying. Crawled on hands and knees out to my car. He opened the door. I never got a bill. <laughs> Slid myself into the car and drove back across to the hospital and picked up my bag phone and said, come out here and get me. I was an idiot. I was, I was not feeding my people how I should feed them. I wasn't putting the time in prayer for praying for them and the church and the ministries and the opportunities because I was too busy trying to please them until I realized this. So he says, hey, what are, what are they saying? Pastors have to do the priority stuff and delegate the other ministry stuff. Doesn't mean it's feeding widows is important, yes. Pastor doesn't need to be there to do it. Because otherwise, if a pastor needs to be there, you know what? You're minimizing everybody else in the body. And God gave you spiritual gifts not to be minimized because you need some hired gun with you. Say amen. amen. Two verses in Ephesians rocked my paradigm in this. Or two, 11 and 12 in chapter 4. This is huge. Jesus gave the apostles, so he gave these offices. The prophets, the evangelists, these are gifts to the church. And shepherds are pastors, teachers. Why? Why did he give them? To equip the saints. Why? What for? For the work of ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of ministry? These dudes, the saints. That is you for the building up of the body of Christ. That's how the church is supposed to grow and reach others is when everybody is being equipped by the pastors through teaching and preaching and prayer to help you to maximize your spiritual gifts, to stir up your spiritual gifts so that you can minister in the body. The reason God sent you here. 
This is me and Tom and Dan and Jose and Johnny and Tim and Victor doing our priority ministry of the word and prayer, using God's word and prayer to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And some of you ain't doing squat. That's how God designed his church to be run. I can't corral and keep preteens interested. <laughs> Kathy and her gang do. They wouldn't want me coming back there and going, I'm going to take it over. No, no, please. <laughs> Pastor Tom can't relate to the ladies in our women's ministry. He can't relate to Nancy. <laughs> Some of you are doing that work of ministry. Pastor Dan can't rock the drums on the platform. <laughs> Some of you are doing that. Work of ministry. Didn't you appreciate the choir and everybody today and the energy Shelby has? Man. Every believer here has a ministry position here. If this is your church, some of you just haven't looked for it yet. Or you're running or you're scared or you're disobedient. Every believer is to be a server. That's not John, that's Jesus. But... Sometimes special events call for specific lead servants, need-based ministries, calls for a higher benchmark in spirituality, and this was a special event that they had here. This is a problem with the widows and handling money. Hey, hey uh, we need to, you, you choose out seven men that, that can do this, but they have to have some qualifications, full of the spirit, wisdom, uh, uh, good repute, they got a good testimony so that we can devote ourselves to what God calls us to. So whereas the pastor's priorities are praying and preaching, the deacons, the diakonos, priorities are special serving. There are some special serving positions needed as a church grows. We again call them deacons. We get it from that Greek word, diakonos. This is still serving, but it's an official capacity. It involves handling money, so it has a higher benchmark for that serving, which makes sense, amen? And we have some amazing and sold out deacons and semi-attractive. <laughs> Dad joke pro. All right, these are our, uh, these are our current deacons. That, yeah, give them a hand, amen. They are not the board. Some of you grew, you know, grew up in deacon, deacon-run churches. That's not a biblical model at all. They're not gophers. I told them our new, new deacons that we're gonna be having you affirm coming on in a few weeks. I said, well, you know, one of the deacon duties is to do, you know, to wa wash my truck and to get my laundry. <laughs> he just looked at me, said, and one of the guys in the room said, if you wash that truck, it'll fall apart. <laughs> Application, biblical deacons don't run the church. They are special lead servants for the church. All right, let me land this plane. Number three, godly priorities lead to growing people. This church in Jerusalem got it right. They get it right. They identify the problem. They admit the problem. They run to the problem. They fix the problem. End result of doing it God's way, Acts 6 and verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. More preaching and teaching because the apostles are freed up to do those God priorities, which equates then to, to, to more spiritual growth in the congregation and is a byproduct uh, numerical growth. It says the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And, 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 interesting, a great many of the priests. Some say that they were in the whole land, about 20,000 priests, a lot of blue-collar priests, only served one week a year, right? They weren't the high, high muckety-mucks that crucified Jesus. But a great many of those blue-collar priests became obedient to the faith. Do it God's way, get God's results. So what's all this pastor deacon stuff mean to me, John, you know? Because, here's what it means, we're ordered rightly here at Point Harbor. The pastors pray and preach and teach. That is our main and major responsibility. The deacon's deek. <laughs> you are supposed to serve in your gifted area. You and your spouse and your kids, if you have them, have the word of God increased in your life. Because of this, you grow and your kids grow and your wild teens grow. Even those hard to reach people like the priests here become obedient to the faith. If, if, if you connect where you're supposed to connect. If you have ears to hear what we pastors are preaching and teaching. If you realize that every part of this body is not only to be connected, but working. My deaf ear is connected 
It is receiving all the sustenance that my body provides. But it ain't doing squat. It's not doing squat. My lazy pancreas is connected. It's getting all the blood and everything, all the nutrients. It's not doing squat. I got to take pills or I blow up after I eat. It's not doing squat. Some of you ain't doing squat here. You're in the body. You're connected. Pastor John, I joined. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, well, uh, my body's carrying these things around, nurturing them, feeding them. They're just along for the ride, here for what the body provides for them. Not doing squat. Some of you are like my deaf ear. You ain't doing squat. Here's the application. Write this down. This will change your life. I need to start doing squat. (laughs) Seriously. You need to start doing squat. Well, how do I start doing squat, John? QR code, seat back. Your iPhone, click. I'm interested in serving. I double dog dare you. Or see a pastor out in the lobby with those lanyards. Or go out to our info center and say, hey, how do I get involved in serving here? Whole message, start doing squat. God, I pray that you would help us to start doing squat. The folks here, Lord, there's so many of them. So many of them are serving and some are over servers. They're serving because, they're double serving because somebody else isn't. And they just, you know, some of them can't say no. And we appreciate them, but Lord, we're wearing them out. So I pray that you would help your people, if they're here, if they're really part of this body, to start doing squat. Figure out what that is and start doing it. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. What's the Holy Spirit telling you right now? If he's not telling you anything, then that means one of two things. Either you're already doing squat, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or you don't have ears to hear. Which is it? I, I dare you to pray a scary prayer, but a good prayer. God, show me what my next spiritual step is here at Point Harbor. And then, Lord, drive me to do it. God, show me what my next spiritual step is here at Point Harbor. And then drive me to do it. Because when you're fulfilling your purpose, it is awesome. And you start saying, wow, this is why I went through that. So I can relate to that kid. This is why that happened in my life. Wow, God, I see what you're doing now. And I can use some of my past and my pain for your glory. God, help us to start doing squat. In Jesus' name, all God's folks said, amen. Amen.